Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Message today uh, concerning um, probably the most famous Old Testament passage of all times, um, Psalm 23. And um, I hope over the last few weeks you've caught something new, right? Because how many, how many know that, you know, you cannot, um, the depth of God's word is so great that every single time you open it up, and even if you think, oh, I've read this before, the Holy Spirit can open it back up to you. The Holy Spirit can show you something brand new about God's Word. And so hopefully you've been, um, over the last, you know, couple weeks, we've, we've only been in this for two weeks, um, you, you've sensed that from the Holy Spirit because that's, that's the whole purpose, right? It's not just to read God's Word to have knowledge. That's great, but it's also about you getting the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to your heart, minister to your life about the the truth and the reality of God's Word. Because God's Word is not just what's written here. It's also Spirit. It's also truth. And so as we've kind of walked through this, we want to make sure that we are just open to what God is saying, hear what He has to say to us. And and what I love is God's just so good at doing that. He's so much better at it. The Holy Spirit is so much better at it than I am because I can get up here and say and speak and try to give all I can, but you know who's got more depth than me? The Holy Spirit does. And I am super, super thankful for that. I really am because that's the Holy Spirit, man. And so the heart of the series has been for us, for you and I not to fall kind of into the trap like so many have, in kind of underutilizing or, or underappreciating what David has written here. This, the life-changing promises in Psalms 23 are things that we should be able to apply and adapt to our life daily as we walk this out. And we know, you know, Psalm 23 really too is um, a lot more than um, about comfort at a, in funerals, right? There's a place for that, for sure. But Psalms 23, as I've said uh, the last couple of weeks, it has somewhat, somewhat, so much more depth to it, so much more life to it, because it's really about um, the relationship between uh, David and the shepherd, which is why he personalizes it. He says, you know what? I am a sheep and I need a shepherd. And so it's about connecting with the shepherd because really what we should be is we should be happy sheep. We really should. Not just sometimes. Well, I'm only happy on Sundays. I'm a happy sheep on Sundays. No, it really, and then when I'm a grumpy sheep on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, well, maybe I'm a little bit better on Thursday. And oh, it's, thank God it's Friday, right? And then, you know, we're doing a little bit better. But see, what we have to understand is we need to be happy sheep all the time. That's the, that's the heart posture we should have because we know, and it only happens because we know that the shepherd, our good shepherd takes care of us. But see, here's the deal. It's your choice. 
It's your choice to be a happy sheep. It's your choice to say, yeah, even though all this is going on around me, and we'll get to some of that, all this is going around me, you know what? I am going to choose to be happy in him. I am going to choose to trust the shepherd. I am going to be choose to trust that he's going to lead me, guide me, direct me, care for me, take care of all of these things. But see, what I love about the Lord is the fact that he just knows that we're, we're, we're these sheep that sometimes just kind of bow to, you know, the crowd mentality, or that we become restless, or we um, are, are slow learners. Because you could put another name there, but kids are present, right? They say sheep are very slow learners. Or, you know, sometimes too, I mean, sheep are stubborn. They are. Now, I'm not a shepherd. I've never done shepherd work. But when you read about it, they say sheep can be very stubborn. Have you ever been stubborn before with the Lord? I have many times. um, And I'm glad the Lord doesn't keep count or show me how many times. But I have become stubborn. So we need a shepherd uh, Corey had mentioned it too. We need a shepherd because you know what? We, we don't know how to lead ourselves, really. We think we know, but we don't. And see, we have this GPS system that, that really is, um, has this flesh virus in it that, that, that tends to lead us down pathways that are not the righteous pathways that, that the psalm is talking about. Then also, too, along that lines, too, you know, sheep are not ones that are supposed to carry burdens, right? You don't see a pack sheep. They don't load up a bunch of stuff like you see mules and stuff. But see, that's the problem because as, as sheep, sometimes we tend to um, carry the weight of life on our shoulders. Amen. But see, that's not good. That's not healthy for us. E- even Peter said this. He said, cast, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you, right? We're supposed to give that over to the shepherd. Man, I don't, you know, sheep are just kind of, again, slow learners or whatever. They're just kind of doing their thing, but they'll sometimes scatter, but they're not worried or concerned if they stay connected to the shepherd. And then the fact too is that sheep don't know how to protect themselves. And we understand that kind of in the natural, but it's the same principle for us. It's the same for us spiritually and naturally. The closer we stay to the shepherd, the the safer we are. The the protection of, of God is there. And we talked a little bit about that last week how the rod and the staff, right? They comfort us, but they're there, they're protection. And so if you've missed the last two messages, I just want to encourage you to, to, to read, to, to go back and listen to them. But I want, to, I want to do this. I know that Lauren read in the message, but I want us all to read Psalms 23, 1 through 6 together because I want you to personalize it. Don't just read it because Pastor Scott asked it, but really read it in a way that you can say, man, I'm personalizing this. This is something that as a sheep, I am going to declare or speak over my life. Because the Word of God says death and life are in that what? Power of the tongue. So why not speak God's Word over our own lives? Okay? So it's going to be up here on the board. All right? You guys ready? Now, I want you to read. Don't give me this little weak stuff, okay? All right? Because that, that, that just don't fly with me for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, but ready, set, go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will declare Lord forever. Man, I got tongue-tied on that. Good job. Way to go. All right. Give yourself a high five. High five your partner there. All right. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, this is what we've covered. We've covered that our shepherd is good, right? Remember, remember we said that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, or in the Greek it said that I am, or I am the shepherd, the good one. Like there is no one better than him. He is far superior. And then we covered last week, uh, our shepherd provides for us and our shepherd protects, protects us. So that's kind of three and what we found is four components. And so today we're going to cover our shepherd fulfills his promises. Our shepherd fulfills his promises. And we're going to start off in verse number six. And it says this. Surely. Now he's not talking to a girl. Okay, just so you know. Not like, hey, surely. No, he's not saying that. He says, surely. That's my old children's pastor uh, fun thing. Anyways, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I feel it's important for us to to recognize how David wraps up this psalm, because throughout it, he's revealing again his close personal nature, the the nature of his closeness to to the Lord. And even in psalm, if if you do a little bit of research, this is for my uh, numbers geeks, if we have any number nerds out there. No? Okay, good. All right. But David writes 17 personal references in only six verses. 17. Okay? So to him, what he's about to share, I I believe inspired by the Holy Spirit, to him, what he's going to share, man, this is very personal. So he says, me, a total of six times, I, four times, and my, seven times. So, man, he's revealing this intensity that he has in his relationship with Jesus. The fact that he is his shepherd, no matter what happens, he is following, he is connected, he is walking with his shepherd. Do we have an intensity about our relationship with Jesus? Do we have an intensity about what, what, what's taking place in our lives and what, what, what the, the shepherd says and promises that he would do? And really what we should be doing is, is, is saying these things as well. Surely, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And along with that, you know, it, it really does take an act of faith to walk in close relationship with the shepherd. But the one thing I love about it, it's just the fact that, you know what? He loves us so much. He cares about us so much that he becomes this shepherd that, that truly becomes, if, if we will allow him to be, this wonderful, beautiful, magnificent Savior of ours to help us guide and guide us and direct us 
in this, but it's about this love. But see, the thing is, is the more we engage and the more we step out in faith, the more then we, it comes by knowing who the shepherd is. And see, when you know him, then you don't have to say, well, maybe, or perhaps, or you don't have to say, I sure hope so. But see, you can turn it like David did because of this personal relationship, and you can say, surely. It's not, ah, maybe, I hope so. No, it is surely. Now, the thing about surely is not a, it's not, just not a filler word. Like, like he's just trying to put a word in there in order to kind of get to this closing crescendo of, of, of the psalm. But surely is an emphatic word, and it's the, the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew word ak, which, which could be translated, listen, absolutely, beyond any doubt, and it declares that what follows can be taken as absolute truth. So there, there's an emphasis on that, surely. What is going to follow is going to be absolute truth. So in David's voice in this, in this psalm, there's no hesitation, right? There's no uncertainty. There is an absolute certainty that what he is going to say next is going to be truth. And see, that's, that's where we've got to get to the point where we recognize with God's word, it's absolute truth. It's 100% truth. So if God said it, then you know what that means? His promises are true, are yes and amen, and that they'll come to pass, even though it might not be on our timetable. Right? Have you ever run into that before? Where I want it on my timetable. It's like, you know, I get frustrated if you go through the Starbucks or the McDonald's or fast driving, and they're not fast enough. Right? We went this morning, and man, we, we waited like 17 minutes. And we were the car that was like behind, we were the second car in line. And you're like, come on, hurry up. Well, sometimes we get that mentality with God. God, hurry up. Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do or, or praying for? Well, God's like, hey, it's in my timing. I know better than you. And so, it's, so this is about his goodness and mercy, right? It's going to follow him. That's what David says. Goodness and mercy are going to follow him. And you know what? Let's apply it to us. Goodness and mercy is going to follow you. Right? And it's going to follow you not just today, not just on Sundays, but it says all the days of his life or our life. And we know that throughout the, the Word of God, right, God consistently um, declares his Word to be unquestionably true. Here's a couple of scriptures just to, to prove that point. Uh, Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Let that one sink in. Has he said, and will he not do? The same God that in the garden spoke to the serpent and say, hey, she's going to bear a son who's going to crush your head is the same God for your life today. And so if he declares it to be so in his word, that means, you know what? It's going to come to pass in our life today. Has he not said he will, uh, and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Man, that's so comforting. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's us, the immutability or unchanging of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that two immutable, again, unchanging things, those things are God's promises and God's oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. So whatever God has promised, he will not lie. Whatever God has declared and made an oath to you by covenant promise, he will not lie. He will not renege on that. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. That amen is so be it. Right? So every time you say amen, you're saying so be it. So be it, Lord. Right? That's your promise? Then so be it. Let it, let it come to pass in my life. So if we accept that God's word is truth and believe that it is impossible for God to lie, then we must also accept the fact if he said that he would do something, he will be faithful to um, fulfill his promise to you. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we get promises that are ignited in our heart, right? That God speaks to you somehow, some way, or maybe through somebody, and it's a promise. And man, it's like, oh, yeah. But did you know when you open your Bible, just you and God, his word is promise. His word is the promise. And so you don't have to sometimes sit there and go, "Mm, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. I want to hear something. Give me a promise, give me a promise, give me a promise. No, he just said, hey, open your Bible. Open it up. Let me show you. Let me share with you what my heart is for you. And so let's look a little deeper and let's get to our first point today. Okay, in verse six. We want to look at three aspects of God's promises. And the very first is God's promises are filled with goodness and mercy. Praise the Lord. God's promises are filled with goodness and mercy. Again, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So again, David declares without hesitation that what he is about to declare can be taken as absolute truth. These two attributes of God, goodness and mercy, are all part of God's care plan, right? When we, you get a job, when you work a full-time job, what are you looking for? The health, health, like, uh, the health care, right? That's, but goodness and mercy is part of God's health care plan, part of his plan. And so it says, he's, he's totally convinced that wherever he goes, goodness and mercy are going to follow him. Because he's staying connected and walking with the good shepherd. See, that's part of the whole key of this. If we don't choose to walk with the shepherd, then we can't really lay lay a hold of all of these promises. But if we would choose to walk with the shepherd, I'm going to follow the shepherd. I'm going to do what he's asking me to do. Even if I'm stubborn sometimes, he gets that. He understands it. But I'm going to follow after him. And when we can say that, and when we start doing it, then you know what? We begin to start seeing all of these things start to come to pass in, in our life. And so this word goodness, right, in its simplest form is good. 
I mean, that's kind of a, a no-brainer, right? We're all like, yeah, that's great. But also kind of in, this, in the Hebrew translation, it becomes kind of difficult. And so you can add this onto it where it's uh, sustained pleasantness, pleasantness, well-being, prosperity, and happiness. So goodness, this is supposed to be following you, right? It, and it does. Then the word mercy is the, the Hebrew word said, which basically is translated loving kindness. And it's an Old Testament word, right? Part of the covenant language that God had made with his people. And it describes a steadfast, never wavering commitment to show tender devotion, affectionate understanding, and or leniency. I'm thankful for mercy, right? So when I say that David said, I am solely convinced that goodness and mercy shall follow all the days of my life. Some of us be thinking, okay, well, those, those are God's promises to me. But what about those days that it doesn't seem like goodness and mercy that, that I just described are not really following me? You ever been there before? Where you think, man, I, I, I don't see goodness. I don't see mercy. I mean... For many, there are days in our lives where, man, we just those days have been unkind to us. Days where, man, we've experienced pain, we've experienced heartache, right? But here's the thing. David experienced those things too. So why didn't he write, surely in goodness and mercy shall follow me most of the days of my life? He didn't, he didn't write it that way, did he? He didn't, because I I believe this. I believe that he was um, writing with a wide lens perspective, okay? Now, I don't know if you, uh, uh, well, well, most of phones, I guess, nowadays, kind of have a a zoom lens, right? A zoom option, or a you can expand option, right? On the iPhone, I think you swipe, swipe right, and it, and it gets to this narrow perspective. And what happens is a lot of times when we start going through things, our perspective shifts to the zoom mode in. I'm zooming in. This is my stuff. This is what I'm going through. And we don't necessarily look at a bigger picture sometimes. Okay? So, and listen, that's okay. God understands. He understands when we're going through things and things where, you know, maybe we're, 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 we just feel like we're getting punched and knocked down and it's just hard stuff and our, our focus is here. He totally gets it. He totally understands it. But there's also the other function, right? Like on the iPhone, there's a panoramic view, which then expands the whole picture. Or, you know, on a, um, on a uh, uh, regular camera, it's just, you know, a wide angle lens. I don't, how, do we have any camera people out here? I love shooting. Yeah. Okay, good. So it's a wide lens. But see, I think that's how David was writing this. He wasn't looking just narrow. He said, yeah, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be tough days. There's going to be things that we're going to encounter. But you know what? It's okay. Because I see it from a larger perspective. Right? Think think about this, just as I read this. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's wide angle, isn't it? Okay? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? That's talking about eternity. That's, uh, again, taking that's that wide angle lens. I'm looking at it from that perspective. Even though I've got stuff right here, smack dab in front of me, and I'm dealing with it, and this is hard, and I have a heartache, and, and all the kinds of things that are going on. But you know what? Let me pull back for a second, and let me look at the panoramic view. And man, does it look good. Right? I mean, David didn't always have it good. And it's the same thing for us. There's times where we got to step back and let's take a look at the panoramic view and go, oh my gosh, my God is so good. He is so good. I know I'm going through it right now, but he is so good. He's going to take care of me, right? He's your shepherd. Yes, you're going to go through some pain. Yes, you're going to go through some dark, deep valleys. You're going to get hit. You're going to get some shots. You're going to get bruised. You're going to find all these things because we live in this life. But here's the deal. He will always, the shepherd will always make a way for you to get out of it. He will always make a way to deliver you from it. So here, David, he's just saying the shepherd is just so great that even when the worst of things happens, we can get a, a wide lens perspective. You know, you know what's a good way to see from the wide lens perspective? You can never escape it, God's word. Right? If you want a wide lens perspective of your relationship with God, get in the word. Start reading your Bible. Start seeing what he has to say about who you are and what he has for you and what he wants to do in your life. That, that's how it's going to work. Right? But when we get this wide lens perspective, and you know what? We begin to look at even where he takes the worst things and he turns them for our good. Right? We know that as Romans 8.28. I think it's going to come up. Right? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So when we take these truths about goodness and mercy from the Old Testament, when you look at them, then you can look and see, hey, this is kind of forecasting New, tra- New Testament truths of mercy and grace that would come through the redemptive work of Jesus. And so, what is mercy again? Well, mercy in the New Testament is this. It's when God doesn't give you what you do deserve. Right? All of us deserve death. All of us deserve judgment, but God doesn't give that to us. So I'm thankful for his mercy. And his grace is when God gives you what you could never deserve or earn. Praise the Lord for that. This is why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and let us obtain mercy in our time and, and find grace to help in our time of need. So there's this open-ended opportunity, this invitation for us to come to the throne room to find this grace, to find this mercy in our life and discover God's goodness for our lives. 
But see, we've got to have that open perspective, that, that, the panoramic view. The second promise, or the second thing, is that God promises to chase you. Can I get an amen to that? He promises to chase you, right? Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And so shall follow implies this. It means to pursue eagerly, to hunt down, or chase after. So goodness and mercy are chasing after you. Goodness and mercy is hunting you down, right? Even when we might not feel like it's hunting us down in the moment, and the things that we're experiencing, the things we're having to walk through. Oh, but David says, right? It, it, good, it, goodness and mercy are in hot pursuit of you. So David is declaring that as he stays attached to the shepherd, that the goodness and mercy, right, is going to follow him, hunt him down. And here's the deal, not just today but all the days of his life. That's something you can say too. The goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So that means, you know what? No matter wherever like David went, or let's, let's apply it to us, wherever we go, right, as sheep, Right? We can't get away from these ever-following promises of God, these ever-following truths of what God's Word says. So whatever we do, so if we fail, guess what? Goodness and mercy are still coming after us, right? If we, if we trip or if we fall or whatever, we just kind of miss the mark, goodness and mercy are following after us. Even if we disappoint God, Right? Doesn't mean he still doesn't love us. He loves us. But I know sometimes I think God looks and goes, man, I know I have, you, man, you've got so much more in you to do. But see, the thing is, is goodness and mercy, right? We cannot escape them, right? He'll never let those go from us. But see, that just shows God's relentless love towards you, that he's in hot pursuit of you. And the last part of the phrase kind of helps us discover that goodness and mercy, right, is not just about, you know, apprehending us, but it's also a part of this kind of journey of discipleship. Something that we're all supposed to be on, by the way. We're all supposed to be disciples of Jesus. We're all supposed to be in this journey. So Paul, right, he, he, he says this, he can kind of confirms this idea in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And he's talking, he says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Goodness, remember in Psalms uh, 23.6. Then he says, forbearance, that would mean God holding back punishment, which again would be mercy, and long-suffering, right? So this long-suffering is part of this idea that God's enduring posture from the chase through the actual growing process that we're in, the maturing process. It says, not knowing that the goodness of God, listen, leads you to repentance, right? And this term leads gives this idea. Uh, one, by leading, like, you know, like um, when, uh, uh, I, I, not that I'm a horse guy, but this is how it comes to my head. When, when they're, they're trying to break a horse, 
sometimes. Sometimes they've got to lead the horse to the destination they want it to be, you know, to, to have happen. And so this lead thing kind of gives two ideas to that, where it, 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 it's leading, one, it's leading kind of like a training of an animal to get to a destination, or it's lead by a company coming alongside, helping one another get to a destination, kind of like a shepherd to a sheep, right? The, the shepherd, it, 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 he's accompanying you. He's walking with you. He wants to get you to that point where you begin to mature, where you begin to, to, to become more like Jesus. When you, you, you've got this, this idea of like, you know what? Oh, man, I, I'm not Jesus. I'm not, I'm not even close to it, but I am maturing. I'm walking in this, this new birth through maturity. It's all part of this thing that's happening in my life. And, and we have to understand the shepherd is the one that helps us walk into, into that. And then the final one is God promises eternal life. God promises eternal life. Amen to that one. So we go from God having already promised to persistently pursue us with his goodness and mercy, right? From new birth, to the moment we get saved, all the way through our maturity in Christ, to now God extending his promise throughout all eternity. Again, Psalms 26.3 said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I think when he talks about, hey, when he, he made a, a table in the presence of my enemies, I think you went from the valley. So maybe you went from the field to the valley to the tent, right, to his house. Imagine that. Because you usually don't see a table out in the middle of the wilderness. You see it in, the, in, in a tent, and so here, you've been invited to come into the house, into his presence, into what he has fully, right? There's no like reservation to that. There's no like, oh, well, you, only, you get to sit at the kiddie table. Sorry. How many got to sit at a kiddie table when you were young? Yeah, all, you know, all the old parents, the parents, they're all like sitting in one table and then you got shuffled off to there and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to the, kid, uh, the parent table, the adult table. I can't wait. And then you get to the adult table and you're like, this is no big deal. Like, what's, what's the big deal, right? But the cool thing is, is with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, you are at the adult table. Even if you're a baby in Christ, you're still welcome to the full buffet of the table. And so here, here he takes us in. And again, he uses a word like and. He said, and I will dwell. Which means that, man, it, it's inseparably connected to what is going to precede it. So because of God's goodness and mercy, we can dwell. We can dwell. Right? And this word dwell is just means to abide, to remain, to sit down and stay, to establish one's life in it. It just conveys this idea of, of, of making one's own abode or home, meaning that, you know what, you have the capacity within you to dwell in God's house 
forever. And this house, right? It's not a religious structure. But it it includes this whole idea of the household of faith, the family of God, the presence of God. And so David is is ending this thing, trying to remind us, hey, you know what, guys? Man, as long as you are following the shepherd, as long as you continue to give your life with him, you can enjoy this intimate fellowship with him. This opportunity to sit at his table, the adult table, not the kid table, the adult table, every single day. Right? Being in the presence of God in his house. And then we get that final, you know how like a song ends, usually you'll hear a crash of a cymbal. (laughs) Crashing out, right? Well, David throws in I probably the ultimate crash on this, this psalm right here. Just, you know, it's like, boom, he says forever. I mean, that's an exclamation point right there. Hey, this is going to go on forever. The relationship between David, a sheep, and the shepherd will last forever. Your relationship with Jesus, with the shepherd, will last forever. Which is just, you know, length of days, prolonged days, forever and eternity. So, and here, here's the cool thing about it. Jesus, right? Jesus has never lost a sheep. Ever. Right? He hasn't lost it. I think sometimes the sheep decide to wander off and not return. But he has never lost a sheep. Here's a couple of scriptures just talking about the fact that this is what Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross for us and we accepted him and he rose again and, and was resurrected, the fact that, you know what, this is, this is what the promise is. This is what the Christian life is for us when it means forever. It, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is forever, right? First John 2, 5 says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So as we wrap it up today, as I land the plane, let's realize that Jesus is the good shepherd, right? He's the good shepherd. And he promises to actively pursue actively go after us with goodness and with mercy every single day of our lives. There's not a day where goodness and mercy walk away from you. There's not a day when Jesus says, ah, stop the goodness and mercy in that person's life. No, it is something that will walk with you, pursue you, go after you, floods you with all kinds of, of, of goodness, all kinds of mercy. And it's going to keep going even into eternity. Right? One day, God's going to look over in Jesus and say, it's time. It's time to get the ball rolling. It's time for the trumpet to blow. It's time to bring my people back home. And when even when we get to heaven, guess what? Goodness and mercy, you're going to be there too. 
because it's going to follow us. It's going to be there for us continually. And so, just want to encourage you. Begin to read Psalm 23, even if you can do it every single day. And then just, just to say, oh, that's David talking. No, begin to personalize it. Right? Get up in the morning and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want today. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters today. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know for sure that this is going to happen to me. Even if it looks rough, even if it is a little bit harder than it was yesterday. But you know what? I've got a perspective that is panoramic, that is wide lens. And although it might be rough right here and that, but man, I look all around me. And, and, and you know, we've all been through things, but wouldn't you say, you know what? Overall, the Lord has been good. The Lord has been great to us. And so it's, it's, it's walking with a panoramic view of the goodness of God. So the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Right? And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. All right, bow your heads for me for a second. Well, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for today and, and, and just even for this series, Lord, to, to recalibrate our minds about how we truly are sheep in need of a shepherd. And I'm thinking about, Lord, just even that, that passage in the thing that says, my cup runneth over. Meaning, you know, Lord, we, we, we are, the plan is, is for us to fill up so much that, Lord, as we go out into our community, we go out into our work field places, we go out into the areas around us, that, Lord, we would spill over on people. And so, Lord, let, it, let, it, let us this week spill over on people about the Good Shepherd and how the Shepherd takes care of us. Let us be able to share what the Lord is doing in our hearts to other people who need you there's so many people that need you. And help us to be all that, that, that uh, you, you have designed us to be in your kingdom. And I thank you that we would just hold on to the truth of your promises. The truth that, Lord, goodness and mercy follow us. No matter what anything looks like, it is goodness and mercy are there. And that you are in hot pursuit of us daily with it. I thank you that, Lord, you would reassure all of us. If, if, if we don't know Jesus, then, Lord, I pray that you would begin to stir the heart of anyone in this place that man, maybe has either um, walked away and is being drawn back or has never come. That, Lord, today would be a day where they would make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, So before, before I close, if there's anybody in the house today that would say, yeah, Pastor Scott, man, I want to make, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Or I want to recommit my life to Jesus today. 
then I just ask that you would slip up your hand. Let us know that. We have, we have something we want to give to you. And we thank you for that. So would you repeat after me, everybody? Heavenly Father, we, I, believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the Son of God. I believe he died and rose again for me. And that his blood sacrifice is more than enough to forgive me of my sin, to give me a relationship with Jesus forever. And I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.